0: For Matthew, he was born and raised here in Coeur mm-hmm. And he has great connections. He has great friendships. You know, it's all about relationships, right? You build those relationships through your life. I um, am learning this as I go along because, again, I've moved my whole life. I've made friends along the way, sure. But they're not those kind of business contacts you make, family, lifelong friends that you build relationships with. And Matthew went to his friends and said so this is what I want to do, and they all, you could see it, it gave everybody a reason to fight for something, to, to look forward to something, to feel like they were making a difference.
1: Hey everyone, Cole Turmel with Cordellian Advice Givers, where we interview Cordellian business owners, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders to bring Cordellian residents the best advice from our community's brightest minds. Today I'm joined by Teresa Wild, co-founder of Matt's Place Foundation, which occurred shortly after her husband Matt was diagnosed with ALS. After identifying a gap in, in the support for the ALS community, Matt and Teresa quickly began brainstorming how they could help others who were battling the disease. Matt's place came to fruition, and their mission was to help families as they battled the disease by providing grants towards expensive housing remodels for accessibility, as well as the building of smart homes designed for families to live in. Just a few facts for you listeners on ALS. ALS does not discriminate. It does tend to occur twice as much in veterans, however. There's only three drugs currently approved to treat ALS and it affects more than 5,000 people per year. 90% of cases occur without family history and every 90 minutes someone is diagnosed and someone passes away with ALS. It's estimated that it costs over $250,000 out of pocket to care for a person with ALS, which is what Matt's place has stepped in to fill the void on. So, we thank you for coming on, Teresa.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: And you can correct any of those stats or intro that, yeah, that a may not be... a lot of stats be, have changed uh, since then,
0: actually. Right? Yeah. Yeah, so now they're estimating... I just read this the other day. They're estimating that um, instead of one every 90 minutes being diagnosed, now they think it's closer to one every 75 minutes mm. being diagnosed with ALS.
1: Okay. Yeah. So... Bad news, right? Bad news, and two
0: out of every three people diagnosed are usually veterans, yes. Two out of three. Two out
1: of three, yeah. So, 66%. Wow. So, before we dive into Matt's place and ALS, uh, we're going to get to know you a little bit. Okay. A little little rapid fire, okay? Okay. Uh, Where did you grow up?
0: So I moved my whole life and I claim Montana cuz I lived there the longest and Montana's close to my heart.
1: We're at Montana.
0: A little tiny town called Thompson Falls.
1: Oh yeah. yeah. Just not far, across not far the state from line. Here. Yeah. Yeah. Favorite childhood pastime.
0: I used to have a little Honda XR80. So when I lived in Nevada, I used to ride my motorcycle all over out in the desert. I was one
1: song that like gets you in the zone that you would like turn out turn on to work out or or something like that
0: oh gosh that's hard i love music um i don't know i always start with like black-eyed peas let's get it started if it's going to be a good like pumped up workout
1: yeah yeah i can feel like my head like bobbing yeah (laughs) Yeah. your go-to restaurant
0: oh my gosh these are hard nobody ever asked me about me um go-to restaurant i don't I, I don't know. I prefer to cook. So I, I'm a really good cook. So I don't actually like to go out to eat very often, but my husband does. So our favorite used to be saute. We haven't been there for a while, but saute is one of our favorites for sure.
1: That was actually uh, – we interviewed uh, Roger the other yeah. day, and that Rod- was his answer. Yeah. yeah. Um. So what's your big cook, then what's your favorite meal to cook at home?
0: Oh, favorite meal to cook. I, I can cook anything, literally. What's uh, What's
1: like your go-to oh, and like, like favorite?
0: Matt's favorite is – Believe it or not, I have an old Italian spaghetti sauce recipe that my grandmother passed down, and it takes like eight to ten hours to make it. It's an all-day sauce. And then he likes it over spaghetti squash. Oh, so, nice. Yeah.
1: You walk into a bar, what do you order?
0: <laughs> um, I don't go out to the bar anymore. So when I did, it was either just a glass of Cabernet or vodka tonic.
1: If you could have three books for the rest of your life, what would those books be?
0: Ooh, good one. I love to read, too. Okay, um, let me think here. I need one cheesy romance novel. That's like when you're just chilling out and you just need to lay by the pool or whatever, right? So that's going to be like a Jill Barnett cheesy romance. I can't help it. I'm romantic at heart. Um, There's another book called Conversations with God, and it's uh, Neil Donald Walsh. I love that one. And then maybe like a Tony Robbins one of those. I like
1: those. Okay. Yeah. And what is your favorite thing about Coeur d'Alene?
0: Oh, I love Coeur d'Alene. So funny thing, quick story. I've lived everywhere. I went to 12 different schools before high school. Um, my children have all been born in a different state. I have moved constantly. And I used to come over here in high school and, you know, hung out and Drove up and down Sherman Avenue, like all yeah, the other houses, right? Yeah, <laughs> cruise Sherman because there's not much scru- cruising in Thompson Falls. There's no streetlights, so um, I moved away and I wanted to live in the city. And I moved to many cities, and then I couldn't wait to get home. And the closest we could move was over here to Cortland. We couldn't get back to Montana for job wise. And as soon as I drove off of I ninety, you know, you're coming in and you see that lake. And I just knew I was home. So it's it's the mountains, it's the water, it's the people, how nice they are. They make eye contact, they say hi. Anywhere else I've ever lived, you go to the grocery store and you start talking to somebody in the grocery store store aisle and they they kind of looked at you like you were crazy, like why are you talking to me? And here you just you learn their whole life story at the grocery store, right? uh, Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Get out of my way.
1: Mm (laughs) Okay. Um so, let's start from the beginning of, of your journey with Matt and the diagnosis. Sure, um, sure. Do you want to share with us kind of how everything came to be?
0: So, um, a lot of people uh, laugh. My life is full of ironies. So, Matthew and I were just friends the summer of the Ice Bucket Challenge. We used to go out dancing all the time, had a great time. Uh, I always told everybody he wasn't my type. <laughs> And but he's a great dancer, and so you know every other weekend we'd go out dancing. Uh, I was in school full time. I was going to go for dietetics at the University of Idaho. I was um, returning student. Three kids, single mom, and we were hanging out that summer on my back patio with some friends. I was probably grilling, and the ice bucket challenge is hit in Facebook, and I did what I always did. I'm kind of a pessimist, so I rolled my eyes like, "Oh, okay, yeah, people are really donating." And I, I think I even got called out a couple times by people in that one. Um, and I kind of ignored it and moved on. And a few months later, Matthew and I um, were slowly starting to date. And I noticed that he couldn't hold a pen. He's like, gosh, my hand feels really weak. And he's six foot two. You know, he's a big guy at the time. A yeah, big,
1: strong man. Yeah,
0: big, mm-hmm. strong guy. He was 280 pounds, um, big guy. And I... Didn't think too much of it at first. You don't really, you know, he's 42 years old. And then, um, we organized a fundraiser for a teacher here at um, North Idaho college. She was diagnosed with leukemia and she was one of my instructors and he and I threw this fundraiser together, just spur of the moment. I said, I want to do something. Let's do it. And he said, yeah, let's do it. So we organized this fundraiser and, and, uh, I'm busy with school and, and he invites me to go with him down to Cabo. So we're in Cabo San Lucas, first time I've ever been down there, and he's walking on the beach, and he would get these horrible Charlie horses and his calves, and by big, I mean like the size of my palm. They were huge, and he was exhausted, and that wasn't like him. He was always a go-getter. He's always going, and his hands were weak, and he couldn't zip up his coat. He said, you really need to go to the doctor, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll go, I'll go. We get back from Cabo San Lucas, which, by the way, we both got E. coli while we were down there.
1: Uh, Stay away
0: it. from the Cabo Wabo tacos. Cabo Wabo. Yeah. Uh, everything girl. else is great about that place. Just don't eat yeah. the tacos. But um, anyway, so we get back and he starts um, visiting doctors. And I'm the type that will avoid going to the doctor with everything I have. And these doctors were amazing. It was his family doctor. He's known, you know, all of his life. And they were speeding tests up and you know that's kind of a red flag because doctors don't do that very often they're like oh i'll let, i'll get, get back to you with the results well they were getting back instantly you need to go in for an mri you need to go in for an emg and he you know was looking at me like what do you think this is and at that point i was googling thanks web yeah, right? yeah don't google diagnosis. anything yeah it's horrible and this time it turned out to be a legitimate, yeah, this is not going to be good. At first, I thought it was MS because I thought he was in a lot of pain. And uh, he wasn't in pain. He just was weak. And the Charlie horses are a side effect of ALS, but really the muscles were atrophying in its hands. And you could see the tendons in his hands. And for being such a big guy, his hands were starting to almost curl in and the fingers were long and skinny Anybody with ALS, you can, you'll you notice their hands all kind of look similar, no matter if it's male or female or what age they are. So, yeah, his test results went by real fast, and within about three weeks, they said his family doctor, we were sitting together and looked at him and said, I'm really sorry, but I think you have ALS. And that was it.
1: And so, I mean, at that point, you know, your mind's got to be racing a million miles an hour every which direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. What really stuck out to me was kind of like, you know, reading the story of how Matt's, you know, Matt's place began because he's he's a Marine, correct? Yeah, yeah, uh, v- So VA care, a lot of that stuff's taken care of. But you know, there's there's always something, and then there's all these other people that you guys realized, you know, a hole hole you, in the uh, community.
0: You know, it's funny we um when he was diagnosed first, you kind of sit in this shell shock. I guess when you get a diagnosis like that, you you don't know what to do, so you don't do anything. So we sat there like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? So a couple of days, <laughs> it's kind of funny to look back on it. Um, my kids, I, I made arrangements for them to go stay with somebody for a few days. And he and I, he took the rest of the week off. And we laid next to each other in bed and we both played tribu- trivia crack together. Like he would play me and then I would play him and then he'd look up and he'd ask me a question like okay well what does this mean and i'd already done a lot of reading on it before the official diagnosis like we i, I kind of knew a good 10 days before i yeah, had a hunch so and he he didn't quite have it all down yet so he he'd say okay well what does this mean and i'd say i'd answer him and then he'd go back to trivia crack and it, it was like he was processing and then we'd play trivia crack, and then he'd ask me questions. And then, you know, it was time to tell the family. And when we told his family, and I think this is really common with families, they want to make something happen instantly. They're like, we're going to get the best specialists in the country. We're going to find the best research facilities, hospitals. We're going to get you whatever you need. And there isn't much, you know. Yeah. So they you could see everybody felt kind of defeated and a few weeks into it, maybe a month we were talking about, I have a two story home and he said, well, we're going to have to find a different house. And I said, yeah, cause you know, stairs aren't an option after a while. And he said, well, when I'm gone, I'll just give you the house. And I looked at him and I said, well, I have a house, but other people don't. And that was, that was it. That was like the light bulb moment and it, it perked both of us up. It, it gave us like a purpose almost instantly. It was like, Oh my gosh, what does this mean? And we both started talking. We were in my bedroom. I still remember it. And we were both like, Yeah, let's, what can we do? And it wasn't so much about us all of a sudden. Suddenly it was, Well, how can we help other people? Mm-hmm. And the VA, yeah, they, I didn't believe it at first. There's that pessimist in me. I didn't believe it at first. They said they take care of everything. And I rolled my eyes like, okay. Because you hear horror stories. Yeah, horror right? stories about
1: the VA. Yeah. And like, uh, oh, they, you know, cheap out.
0: Yeah, you know, absolutely. Right. They're like, oh, it's months and months out. And you have to fill out the paperwork. And you'll, you're will you going to be denied and all of this. And in this situation, it wasn't. We've had the absolute best care. Anything we need, we get. Um, Yes, it is a process of paperwork and waiting. But... You know, we haven't had to take any money out of our pocket to remodel our home, um, to get a a wheelchair accessible van, his wheelchair, you know, his breathing equipment, his medications, the VA covers all of that. So, you know, we know that we're blessed. But at that time, it was a we're still in the process. So we weren't really sure. But we went to his family and friends. We said, hey, we want to build homes that have everything, a patient and their family are going to need. And the reason why we, we thought of it like that is because one of the first things he said to me was, I don't want to go to a nursing home. I don't want to go to a nursing home. And that was a real fear. And absolutely. That's a real fear. You know, you get put into a room and you get some care and your family comes to see you well, once a week, if you're lucky.
1: Yeah, and you're 42 on top of it, right. right? 42, 43. Yeah. And that's no, that's nothing that any, you know, even 80- or 90-year-old wants to do, let alone right. You know, right. middle-aged and, adult.
0: And so uh, he also didn't want to be a burden to his family. And all of these kind of came, kind of came together, and you kind of see the big picture of family members. One can't usually afford a nursing home for their family member anyway. Um, So they have to take care of their family member, but they can't afford to work, keep the insurance and bring a caregiver in. So then one of them has to quit their job and the resources just start flying out the window as soon as this disease hits, you know. So people are bankrupt and they will go through college savings plans, retirements, 401k, um, and then their loved one will pass away and they have nothing.
1: Yeah. And so you guys saw this hole, right? In, right. In right. the ALS community. And then you kind of, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to do this. Like, how did you guys go about bringing your idea to life?
0: So we went to his family and friends and we said, this is what they we want to do. We want to build these homes. And they said, absolutely. And I think that for Matthew, he was born and raised here in Coeur d'Alene. Mm -hmm. And he has great connections. He has great friendships. You know, it's all about relationships, right? You build those relationships through your life. I um, am learning this as I go along because, again, I've moved my whole life. I've made friends along the way, sure. But they're not those kind of business contacts you make, family, lifelong friends that you build relationships with. And Matthew went to his friends and said, this is what I want to do. And they all... You could see it. It gave everybody a reason to fight for something, to to look forward to something, to feel like they were making a difference. Because with this disease, there's not a lot you can do.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it is pretty grim, you know, when you look at the the stats. Right, two, two to five two to years, five years mm-hmm. for average life expectancy, and that's once you're diagnosed, correct? Right, right. Yeah, so I mean. Given, you know, just giving somebody that sense of purpose, I'm sure, I'm sure it helps everyone involved. You know, you, your family, Matthew, all of them. It's like, hey,
0: well, know. and it gives. So Matthew retired from work. Uh, he was diagnosed in February, and I want to say his last day of work was in May because he couldn't type anymore. He couldn't. He was getting worried. He couldn't even pick up the phone. He was tired, and so it just made sense why keep working, right? Yeah. If you don't have to, so um, he retired. And it gave us something to work towards, goals to work towards. And I think that that's for anybody, for anybody, right? He, mm-hmm. You need a purpose. You need um, something that you're striving for. Otherwise, it's just day in and day out, right?
1: Yeah, you just go through the motions. Right, and, right. You know, and, and then all of a sudden And as people over.
0: lose the ability to walk or yeah. use their hands – they do begin to feel like a burden. I mean, imagine every time you need to be moved or you need a drink of something. You need to use a restroom. You need to be every little thing you you rely on somebody else for. So and his mind is 100% intact. So what this is, is this gives him things to look forward to. We look forward to our fundraisers. We look forward to getting that email from somebody we've helped that couldn't afford a $4,000 ramp. And they said, thank you. I can get in and out of my home now. You know we meet mm-hmm. these families and they're like thank you that was one less thing we had to stress about
1: yeah so you guys basically have made made your niche and just to clarify that you know you you help with with install ramps um you, yeah, you even build yeah. build homes right yes
0: yes so we are in the process of building our second home our first home was um built in Coeur d'Alene and um the entire community, over a hundred contractors came together, donated do, uh, material. I mean, we had late, we had lumber packages, drywall, all the paint, all the windows, you name anything that goes into building a home, and it was all donated. It was amazing. And the lot was given to us at cost. Um, and then what we did was the idea behind the house is a family will move into it. It's three bedroom, two and a half bath. But there's a master bedroom suite. And what that means is, so many families, for example, if I ask you this question, if you were suddenly paralyzed tomorrow, can you get a wheelchair into your home, like in through the front door? No. No, you probably have stairs, at least one.
1: Of two, yeah. Two, two stairs. Steps.
0: So two steps is probably about um, six inches per step. That's 12 inches off the ground. That's mm-hmm. 12 feet of ramp. Every inch off the ground is a foot of a ramp needed. That's just your front door. Now, if your house is older, your doorways are smaller. They're not the 36 inches. Yeah. usually 34. So you got to widen the doorways. Then your hallways to get down to your bedroom. you got to widen those. Then you got to widen all those doorways. Then you need to remodel your bathroom so that you can get a wheelchair just into the commode and the shower area, which means ripping that whole bathroom out. I've seen some bathroom remodels be $80,000. How many families do you know have $80,000 just to get into their bathroom? Yeah, just Yeah, they just don't. So, when we found, figured out how devastating just the process of the disease is, and then the medical care and the stress of fighting insurance, and then add on top of that finding a contractor and getting a good bid bids in and doing it in a timely manner and do it before that they're at the point where it didn't matter anyway. Mhm. So,
1: Yes, that's awesome. So now you guys are in the process of building another.
0: We are. We're in the process of building. Um, so we are. We have many partnerships going on over in Spokane right now. Um, the city has donated a lot. The mayor donated a specific lot for us down on First Avenue, where they're revamping all that area down there. Mm-hmm. And the lot actually houses has room for two homes. Um, we have been working with an architect out of Seattle. I'm going to mess up their name. I want to say it's Miller hall. They have donated over $70,000 worth of architectural design work over 600 hours. A team of eight people, um, have helped, um, come in and like, I, we told them what we needed, what we wanted. We're working with Voggen industries. Um, Voggen timber is bringing CLT. Um, CLT is cross laminated timber. Okay. It's better for our forest. It's better for the environment. They're more stable. They're more, um, the house is just so much more economically and environmentally friendly. And then we're throwing in the technology and uh, we teamed with some people that work for Microsoft to, our goal is to make it the smartest home in the country.
1: That'd be cool. Really yeah. cool. Yeah. And Move then forward. the family
0: gets to live in there for free. And then when they no longer need that, unfortunately, then the next family moves on into it. So the house is going to benefit the community for years and years to come.
1: So how many do you know how many people need these homes in, in our area? Sure.
0: So right now the statistics are not good for Kootenai County in Spokane. Um and what's unfortunate is we don't have good statistics to rely on. So if they, the person when they're diagnosed, if they do not go to the ALSA website, the ALS Association website, if they don't fill it out, the the um, form that they've been diagnosed and all that, it took me out like three days to fill out this form. It's ridiculous. If they don't do that, then we there's no way to track them. If they don't go to a registered ALS clinic, we don't know. Yeah. So I've met people in Coeur d'Alene that have ALS and they've never been to the ALS clinic. So I don't think the numbers count for them, but on average there's about 14 to 16 people in Kootenai County alone that have ALS.
1: Okay. And, and then...
0: that number never really goes up or down. Think yeah. about that. So last year, three people died from ALS and three more were diagnosed. It's, it's almost uncanny how fast it happens.
1: Yeah. And then, I mean, with, with, our area growing, right? You know that number right. is probably actually going to get bigger. Exactly, right.
0: and then Spokane has um, estimated. I think it was sixty people, which you know MS and ALS in this area seems to be higher than other areas, but mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Now uh, I wanted to I want to dive into kind of how you guys go about doing your your fundraising and and all that goes, but first uh, we we're going to play. Your video from you, actually, uh, <laughs> one of the presenters at the first Impact Club meeting uh, back in September 2017 at Patty's. And you gave an awesome talk. <laughs> and we're, we're going to watch it and play it back for for the listeners, and then we'll kind of talk about it.
0: He's 42 years old, very healthy man. I was sitting with him two months later when the doctor walks into the room and looks at us. And he says with a tear in his eye, I'm sorry, you have ALS. You have two to five years to live. I suggest you get your affairs in order. When a person has ALS, not only is their time limited, but the disease is devastating. Matthew and I, the last time we danced, was on our wedding night. And soon, he won't be able to pucker up his lips and give me a kiss. And he won't be able to smile and he won't be able to talk or eat, and eventually he won't be able to breathe. So when we founded Matt's Place Foundation, what our goal was, was to help these patients and their families live with comfort, dignity, and independence. You see, this disease costs most families $250,000 250 to $300,000 a year. We teamed with the NIBCA past President's Council and built the very first smart home designed with an ALS patient in mind and their families. So when they traverse this, they don't have to look at this and decide between long-term care facility or going bankrupt. I don't know why in Kootenai County we have the highest incidence rate of ALS. And I don't know why we don't know what causes this disease. But I know that we have made an impact and we want to continue making that impact in this community. Thank you. Mm, that wasn't bad.
1: Have, you have you gone back and watched that?
0: Not for a long time.
1: No, right? Like, <laughs> I was watching it this morning and I was like, pretty much, you know, a lot of stuff that you said so far still rings true, you know, mm-hmm. from that talk. But kind of, you know, one of the things that sticks out to me. In that talk is that you're like, you know, that was your wedding night was the last time you guys get to dance. And that's just like the sick reality of, of this disease.
0: You know, um, we've met a lot of families along the way with this disease and each family. Um, it's, it's unique. There's a woman down in Idaho Falls. She has four children. They're under the age of six, I believe. And her husband, it took, over three years to get diagnosed. He was 32 years old. They said, there's no way that this could be ALS. You're too young. And then he couldn't walk and then he couldn't talk. And now he's bedridden. And she takes, she has a, um, the baby, I want to say is six or nine months old. She takes care of her husband and four children by herself. I have no idea how she does it. He hasn't had a shower in three years. Oh man. Um, so think about all those little things. So he, uh, just got he, because he was just diagnosed. He now has, um, what we call eye gaze technology. He has a laptop, um, a screen that he uses his eyes to communicate his needs. But before his I- ALS diagnosis, um, he had to blink for yes or no and things he n- needed because he cannot speak. He can't eat. He can't move. And when her hands are full, she's got to lay the baby down beside him to help him at the same time. These are the realities is people think that this disease is for people that are 70, 80 years old. And yeah. that's not the reality of it. it. This hits everybody. A young girl was a twin. She just passed away. She was 16 years old. She'd had it since she was 12.
1: it's yeah, terrible. Um but my actual point of no, sorry, yeah, I get, I get, I, off, I know, I the... get off track too. I watch. Like,
0: I need you to know how serious this is. Yeah, sorry. no,
1: I, I, you know, I go back and I watch it, and I'm like, man, like, you know, there's, there's so many ideas and thoughts and stuff that that come to mind when you back and look at these videos. But as far as the fundraising goes, you guys have really caught um, a lot of momentum in the community with some of your fundraising efforts. You, you want to share uh, kind of what you guys have. Done that you found has worked, maybe what hasn't worked quite as well as you thought, how you've kind of pivoted around?
0: Sure. So we started before our 501c3 was actually official. It takes nine months to a year for the paperwork to actually go through the IRS for that nonprofit status. We began built, um, selling these bracelets. And we sold around town, you know, like you'll see jars, Mm -hmm. you know, we started that way and we raised enough money with that and, uh, a personal donation. We put the first ramp in within a couple months of, you know, the initial part of Matt's place. So that was exciting to help a woman, um, get a ramp to go in and out of her home. Then we started with Matt's friends. You know, they are local patrons downtown. Yeah. <laughs> so they wanted to do a pub crawl and uh, it started small. We started at the Eagles downtown with a couple of other esta- establishments. That was the first year. I think we had five bars where you'd buy a ticket and you'd go to the bars and mm-hmm. get a stamp and come back and win prizes and such. The first year we had uh, roughly 350 people. Well, the second year we had over 650 people and this year we lost count because we moved to the Coeur d'Alene shops area and there were so many doors that anybody could walk in. So we couldn't sell tickets at every single door. But judging from the pictures, I'm pretty sure we had over 1200 people there, yeah we serious. raised almost thirty thousand dollars just from that, yeah
1: thirty thousand dollars yeah just close from, to thirty yeah from the pub crawl
0: just the pub crawl, yeah, so our our events are definitely getting bigger every year, which is fun, and I think people really look forward to them because yeah. they're like, oh you know, I got my calendar marked, I'm really excited. Uh, my goal is to hit the biggest pub crawl in the country by year five,
1: but we'll see. But, so um, we, what's, what's the, do you know what that figure 4, is?
0: 4,800 people.
1: So we got to get to 5,000. I got two 000. more
0: years to get to 5,000 people. Yeah.
1: Well, if you keep uh, 1,200 this last year. That's 24. Yeah. If we keep doubling our numbers, we're
0: there, right? You're right there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and then we do a golf tournament. We have a golf tournament coming up actually July 14th. And what we do is we look for sponsors. We look for sponsors and donors to say, yeah, we want to be a part of this. We help with some advertising on their end. You know, if our biggest sponsor is Berg out of Spokane, they're actually partnering with Vog and Timber to help build the first math place over in Spokane. Um, and that's, you know, our sponsorships help pay for our events so that when we do these fundraisers, the money actually comes to us. And then uh, we have in-kind donations. So we work with a company called TNC ramps when we need ramps put in. He's, he's very fast, the contracts. Um, he knocks off 30% because we're a nonprofit. And he has them in within, within a week of the grant request being approved. So, um, that's helpful. You're not waiting for contractors and bids and such. He's, he's really good at what he does. Um, and then the other thing that we're looking towards is, um, we are working with a company now to start bringing in grants. So because we're a baby foundation, you know, and and none of us on the board really had the experience we needed, we just kind of had the idea and ran with it, right? Yeah, just run with it and ask questions later. We'll figure it out. And um so we have grant write, a grant writer coming on. That's helpful. And our board is a hundred percent volunteer. So what that means is everybody's volunteering their time, every event we do. And so we have some transitions going on. We have new board members coming on. And our goal is to just start spreading awareness throughout Idaho. Uh, one of our goals is to do a license plate fundraiser. So, for example, when you see breast cancer, um, you know, the pink ribbon, mm-hmm. um, if you see that, you know that person paid extra money to the state for that particular license plate. Yeah. And then that money will go to Susan G. Komen, right? Well, that's the same. We're hoping to get, um, a license plate approved for Matt's place. So, but because we're a baby foundation, other found, um, other counties don't really know about us yet. So we need to start marketing in other areas of Idaho, Eastern Washington and, and Montana. Yeah.
1: Okay. And then what kind of what pitfalls or challenges have you guys come across in? In your efforts to raise money?
0: Um, Well, one of the pitfalls is I get requests. I have a request uh, from a woman in Louisiana. She is um, 60 years old. Her husband. So you learn all sorts of things about how this works. Um, He retired early and didn't work for a couple of years and then went to become a bus driver at a school. And now because he's been diagnosed with ALS, he doesn't qualify for Social Security Disability because he hasn't been putting in within the allotted time. He didn't work at the school long enough to get their type of disability through their program, and so and he can't work. And so they don't have any money coming in, so they're using up her entire 401K retirement savings plan to try to remodel the home to make it safe for him. So they reached out and said, I, you know we need $15,000, and I can't help them. So that's a pitfall when I have to say no to these families that are in Texas or any other state because we have to be able to fundraise in those states to help those family members, yeah. and we're just not there yet. And, um, you know, Matthew is progressing, and I'm his full-time caregiver, and I have three children, so there's only so much time in the day. And so Matthew and I wear a lot of hats, and his hands no longer work, so he's now using eye gaze technology pretty much full-time. And his voice will probably be, or the muscles to speak, I don't want to say his voice, but it's the muscles to speak by the yeah. end of the day are starting to slur. So as he progresses, when he needs something done, that's me, because I'm, I'm his hands. So like I said, there's only one of me, and I think I'm going to have a hard time convincing people to keep working for free, right? So,
1: Yeah, I mean, yes and no, right? But at, at some point... You see, you know, a lot of the foundations, nonprofits, and that sort of thing, where you ultimately, in order to grow, I think you almost do have to take on a paid, you know, position. Right. Just, and, but you got to find the way to make that position. Paid for. Right. for itself, right. right?
0: Right. So I think once the grants, once we start getting more of an idea of what kind of grants we can go for, you know, state and county level. Because right now we do like rotary grants, chamber of commerce, the smaller grants here in town.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but then now as we're branching out and doing a house over in Spokane, we need to figure out how to have Spokane help fund that house. Because we not only let the family live in the home, they live in that home for free. So they don't pay a mortgage or a rent. That so we need a an expense every year to cover, you know, an endowment fund to cover the cost of those houses. Yeah. So as we grow, we need to keep, Yeah, all we need that. to have sustainability so.
1: continue. That's where we got to get to the 5,000 person mark. That's right. That's right. Crawl, right. Yeah. Um, what have you learned about yourself in this journey that you didn't know you had within you before?
0: Oh gosh. I didn't know I could go on so little sleep. Um, you know I think you hear i I don't know how to word this you you hear how children are resilient. I think people are resilient um I think that we're capable of many things. I think we talk ourselves out of what we're capable of. Mm-hmm. you know we can talk ourselves up, no, can't do that, but when push comes to shove and your back's against the wall, and it's only you that everybody's relying on, you find out what you're made of, and uh I'm not going to say I'm perfect at, um, yeah. I mean, there's days when I think, okay, I've got this parenting thing down. I'm doing good. I'm spending time with all of them. and But it's a juggling act. And if I'm spending really good quality time with my kids, something else, maybe my house isn't as clean or, you know, Matt's not getting as much attention. Um, I've learned that I'm incredibly blessed. I know that. I know that I'm blessed. I know I'm lucky. Um, Matthew is if I was gonna pick any patient to help care for he he makes it as easy as possible on me and he's his gratitude and his love for me uh, makes it easy to care for him for sure my children I'm I I don't know they they're the ones that keep me going is because I've got great kids and I'm loved and I know I'm lucky so I have great things to look forward
1: to yeah going back to that first thing you said with the you know, like resiliency, right? Like yeah. fear starts to creep in and you get that F word in your head and then it's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Sometimes you don't have a choice.
0: You know, I have found that uh, people take this, any, any, any situation, I don't want to call this a tragedy. This is not a tragedy to me. This is unfortunate, yeah, but this is life. Life mm-hmm. is going to hand you uh, a deck of cards. And how are you going to play that hand, right? Yeah. So this is the hand I've been dealt. This is the hand that Matt's been dealt. I want to show my children that, yeah, this is life. Sometimes it's not great. Sometimes it's not going to be the way you want it to. So when it is great, definitely um, be in that moment and, and enjoy it. And when it's not, be okay with that because there's lessons to move you further down the line. And um, I've just learned that people are amazing if you let them. So get out of their way and when you provide things for them, it's not these homes that we want to build it's not it's not a it's not a charity. it's so that their family stays intact and they can build those memories you know? yeah right
1: so their loved one you know once right. they you know succumb to the to the uh, disease so they aren't left you know they can to piece look their back with back good memories, yeah.
0: not not um, anger. And I have found that there's some family people or families that when they're diagnosed with this disease, they kind of throw their hands up in the air and they give up. They're like, oh, I'm dying. That's it. Or um, they'll swear at it. They'll say F-A-L-S, F this. And they get that really negativeness. And I I can't do that because I need to find the positives in this. I need to keep looking for, yeah, this is the high end I was dealt. Now it's up to me to figure out what's the best way to get through it right there's yeah. worse hands out there there's no
1: feeling sorry for yourself there's no
0: feeling sorry yeah i have pity parties you know mm-hmm. well, i'm well, sure yeah, i curl do. up it's human nature yeah i now. curl up in the fetal position and cry every now and then and yeah. then after that i pick myself up and say okay now how do we power forward so
1: exactly how how am i gonna grow you know grow from this experience well and my children is, are watching me exactly that's one thing it's easy to forget about is they are they're yeah. watching they pick up on your you know, your reactions and how you respond to yes. certain situations. And so
0: some. I will say, I think the first year and a half, I probably didn't handle this as well. I was, I was depressed. I was sad. I was overwhelmed. I was scared. How am I going to do this? But then I just stopped looking so far ahead. I don't want to know what six months looks like for us right now. Yeah. I want to, I want to know what today looks like. Today. Maybe a couple of days after that. Yeah. And that's the, as far as I'm going to look.
1: Uh, if you could go back in time to before the diagnosis or before Matt's place, what advice would you give yourself or the foundation?
0: Um, that I wasn't going to do this perfectly to so stop trying. I definitely had a more stress to my plate trying to make it perfect. I was going to school full-time. At the time, I was working part-time as well. Um, three kids all of it and i kept thinking that it had to be perfect i wanted matthew to have perfect memories you know um and there is no perfect
1: yeah yeah imperfection is human yeah yeah Yeah. exactly allow
0: myself a little grace i guess
1: uh in your opinion what's been the most critical aspect of matt's Place foundation's success
0: Uh, i think it goes back to that relationship thing um I, like I said, I, I grew up moving all over and, uh, nobody had ever shown me what it meant to live in a community and fostering those relationships, whether they're work, friendship or family, you, you should foster those relationships. They, they are important. And Matthew has shown me that his family's lived here. You know, his father was raised in the silver Valley. His mom was very much loved around here, um, Talk about a great legacy. She passed away 16 years ago, and they started an endowment at North Idaho College. So they give two to three scholarships a year out to students there because she used to be a teacher down there. Um, people still come up to Matthew. Your mom changed my my life. Um, so fostering those relationships, they they are important. Don't think that just going to your job and coming home is all you need to do because you will need help eventually. At some point in your life, a lot of people don't think about this, but it, just stop and think about this for a second. Almost every single person will be a caregiver or need a caregiver at some point in their life. Exactly. So build your tribe, right? Build yeah. your friends, build your family.
1: Did you read what I wrote yesterday by chance? No, <laughs> That's funny because, I mean, that's been a common common theme, especially recently in in this show you know, I'll ask that question. And it's like, that seems to the root, right? The root of success or anything, ha- you know, being successful starts at the most basic thing, which is something that us humans all know is relationships, but right. it's, it's creating those relationships and then it's fostering those relationships. And then it's Ultimately building on those relationships is what is what ultimately ends up coming full circle.
0: So and it's not just what people don't realize, it's it's not just work either that you foster those relationships. Mm-hmm. You give dignity to every person you meet, which means you see a homeless man on the side of the street, look him in the eye. He at least deserves that much. Yeah. Don't look away from him, don't because you're uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. You see I, I see this all the time. Matthew's handicapped now. He's in a wheelchair for two years now. Um, people that he has known his whole life will turn away because it makes them uncomfortable. Give him the dignity of just looking at him and smiling. You don't have to talk to him if it makes you uncomfortable. You can walk the other way, but don't pretend he doesn't exist. So you treat every human, every human, I don't care if they are the janitor, the homeless man on the street, homeless woman, to the CEO of Microsoft. I don't care who you are. You treat them with dignity. Yeah. And those relationships, they will come back that person on the street corner might just remember you sometime when they have pulled themselves up and gotten out of it and they'll remember what, how you treated them and how you made them feel.
1: Exactly. That's awesome. Um, if you get one message out to the community about Matt's place foundation, what would it be? Or two or three, but oh the main gosh.
0: one. <laughs> oh gosh, I don't know. I, I want to say thank you for sure. Thank you. I've never seen a community come together for a nonprofit and, and support us the way that they have all, not just businesses, but the people, um, and the lives that we've changed, even in, in the smallest measure, whether it's just, just a simple ramp, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to building a home, putting a family in there. So thank you. I'm humbled. I'm grateful. Um, I hope to continue to spread Matt's place throughout Idaho and throughout the United States. I think that the idea of these smart homes is not just a good idea for ALS. I think that this could go for many diseases and handicaps. And so this, this has the ability to make people's lives better. And so I hope that people will continue to support us. Um, and definitely be aware of the people around you because it's not, it's not as... Far away as you think. Um, I was standing on the corner last summer um, outside where Sports Cellar used to be. Yeah. And Matthew and I were standing there. We were talking to somebody. Steve Gibbs used to be the owner of Art Spirit. Walked up, he had ALS. Another woman lost her mom to ALS. Another woman lost her dad. We were all standing there. And, you know, it's that what's that called? Seven degrees of separation. You will know somebody with ALS. It will affect you. So, um, learn about it for sure and, and fight. Help, help us fight for taking care of families because it's not just ALS that these people need help. Um, we need to start, we need to stop being so focused on one little thing. You need to step out and look at the big picture. Are we taking care of one or are we taking care of all? Because a society is measured. By how it takes care of the the little people, right? The people that need it most, the weakest. So the society is measured by how you take care of your weakest link, and start in your community and then go out from there. So right now we started in Coeur d'Alene, Now let's start making that bigger. Let's do more. Let's do better.
1: Yeah, and that, I mean the the grandiose picture, right? Go, right. Go national. Yeah. But when you guys first to go back to the beginning of this, you know, talk. When you guys first sat in that bedroom <laughs> talking about it. I can guarantee you, you didn't dream or have aspirations of taking this globally, right? No, like, I, it's like start, start small. Don't overwhelm yourself and then.
0: Well, see, I'm the exact opposite. So I did actually. I said, "Let's build houses around the country," <laughs> and then I had no idea what that would take. So yeah. then it was, "Oh, it's going to take a while to just build one." We built it much faster than anticipated, including the second one. Now it's it is it's taken off. But Matt's uh, motto is "Go big or go home." Yeah. So uh, that's what we're trying to do, and and people really seem to be inspired by the idea. So I hope it continues for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I guess my
1: point was is that you guys didn't you guys didn't start with building houses. No, no, we you started know, with your, one little your ramp. Your goal yeah. was to yeah. build a house, but it's like you start with one ramp. Right. You didn't start by building a smart a house. home. Yeah.
0: No. It, yeah. It took time to let people know what our mission and our vision is. Yeah. And even then, I mean, we're really kind of starting to hone in on what that is. Like, for example, and I'm gonna I talk too much, so you can stop me at any point. The three drugs that are on the market right now for ALS, two of them have been approved just this last year. The other one was 20-some-odd years ago. There are five families, let's just say five families here in Coeur that I can think of off the top of my head that take one particular drug, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew gets his for free. He doesn't qualify for the other two. The other ones, I'm pretty sure, take them as well. One of them spends $1,000 out of pocket for the same drug that Matthew gets for free, that the other family spends $20 a month, that the other family spends $400 a month. So that is going to be, I think, my next fight in the upcoming years is going to legislation and saying, we need some standards here. This isn't okay. You can't do that to these families. You can't yeah. say, "Oh, because you have Medicare with Part B and C, you are only going to pay twenty dollars a month." But I am sorry, you have private insurance and it wasn't very good, so you are going to pay a thousand dollars a month. Not okay with me. Yeah, you know, again, your society is measured by its weakest links. Are we taking care of them, or are we nickel and diming them to get everything out of them before they pass away?
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and the whole you know medical aspect and. You know, insurances and, and all that stuff. I mean, you keep going for days. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> days about, yeah. about the uh, changes that need to be done there. Well, uh, that about wraps it up for my questions. If there, you have anything that comes to mind that you think we haven't talked about that's important to get out there. Now's the time.
0: Um, I, I would say definitely become aware of your surroundings. Um, there's a lot more people handicapped. Matthew didn't look sick when he was first diagnosed, but he couldn't open a door. He couldn't walk up on the on a step, you know. And so um, if I had to talk about that, I would just say, be aware of your surroundings. Be aware that everybody has a struggle. You might not know what it is. They might not show it. They might not look it. But be kind for crying out loud. <laughs> be nice to yeah. these people. Give people dignity and kindness. Um, and it will come back to you for sure.
1: Awesome. Thanks for sharing. How can people find out more about Matt's place?
0: Uh, you can go onto Facebook and like us, of course, on Matt's place on Facebook. And then our website is Um Reach out to Matthew or I. Um, I'm happy to answer questions. I'm happy to come talk about this disease and how it affects families. Um, and there's there's lots of ways you can learn more about the disease. There's a documentary. Well, there's multiple documentaries. One that's really popular right now is Gleason. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a football player that's pretty well-known over in Spokane, yeah. Steve Gleason. And so they have a really good documentary. And his foundation does great work as well. Is um, that No White Flags? No White Flags, yeah. yeah it's just Team Gleason. So, uh-huh. um watch that documentary. Did you? It yeah. was
1: actually, I know. I noticed a portion of it was shot here.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, And he comes back every summer, so they have Gleason Fest over there. There's all different ways you can get connected and help out, even if it's just buying a T-shirt, right? Yeah, everything helps. Yeah,
1: you guys are eligible for Impact Club nomination. People could yeah nominate nominate us for Impact. I'm
0: happy to come tell another another sad story. story (laughs) Yeah, and
1: hopefully be the recipient of that would be awesome. Yeah, check this time. Yeah,
0: and you guys are doing great work. Keep it up. Thanks, Teresa. I appreciate you having me. Thank you.